Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Self-Initiative Project Podcast. I'm your host, Jim O'Brien. Hello, and welcome to Podcast 43, where we're going to be talking about safety consideration for vendors of all types. But before we get into all of that good stuff, I want to take a moment and just say thank you to our listeners. There's a lot of choices out there for you guys to listen to, and somehow or another, you've made the decision to listen to us, and for that, I'm greatly appreciative. You know, we've been doing this now for a little over three and a half years, where this is our 43 43rd podcast that we have and you know there's 42 others on great subject matters all in the personal safety self-defense and preparedness space and if you're just tuning in i'd encourage you to go back and listen to some of our other podcasts i am more than certain that there are one or more topics in the mix that would be of interest to you in making yourself and your family more safe and if you like what you hear and you know you've taken away a nugget of something that you've thought of made that made you think that you hadn't maybe thought about before and you like what you're hearing uh we would love it if you would tell your friends and family about us so thanks for listening with that i want to talk about safety consideration for vendors and you know when i thought about this i'm thinking about small vendors like you and me right the big guys the retail you know retail chains and the chain restaurants whatever I'm more than certain, at least very hopeful that they have their own, um, you know, security considerations and safety precautions that they have in place. What I wanted to talk about today is safety for the little guys like you and me, you know, whether or not we're having a garage sale or a yard sale, whether we're selling antiques out of the barn at the local flea market, uh, we're selling our birdhouses or whatever at the local arts and crafts show, or maybe we're selling fruits and vegetables at the local farmer's market or hot dogs or ice cream as a street vendor, you know, whatever it is, there's a lot of, lot of examples of small vendors, right? Whatever it is, there's just some safety things that we need to take into consideration and implement for ourselves to help keep us safe. And look, as I've said before, nothing's a hundred percent. If someone's intent on doing harm or doing something bad or illegal and you're involved, nothing's going to stop them a hundred percent, but that doesn't mean we are, it's not our responsibility to make it harder for them to deter and dissuade. Right? So that's what we're talking about. You know, while we're not talking about the big guys necessarily, the one thing that being a vendor has in common across the board with every other vendor, regardless of size or type, is that we're in the public space. And anytime we're out in public, even if it means being in our front yard, right? Anytime we're out in public or we're dealing with the public, that means there's the opportunity to meet and deal with strangers. Dare I say, most of what we're going to be dealing with is strangers. And that's why we need to be thinking about our personal safety. So when I think about, you know, the the topics that I want to cover for us today, I think about three buckets or three umbrellas, whatever vision works for you. I think about keeping things locked down. I think about needing a heightened sense of situational awareness and paying attention to what's going on around us. And then I want to talk about some ways to handle money because, you know, there's going to be sums of cash passed between hands. And so those are the three areas I want to focus on for us today. 
you know, when it comes to keeping things locked down, it really depends on which context and where you are. But, you know, when I think of things, keeping things locked down, I think about my home. You know, if I had a garage sale or yard sale at my home, which I've done a couple of times over the years, I think about what can I do to make sure my home is locked down and secure while I'm working said yard sale, whatever. And the first place I go, which is the most obvious, is keep your doors locked. You know, the best policy that you can have for yourself and your family as far as safety is keeping perfectly good strangers out of your home. That's first and foremost. So whether it's the front door, the back door, or that door that runs between your garage or carport and the mudroom or the kitchen, keeping those locked at all times. Even if you leave the yard cell for a moment and go inside to go to the bathroom, lock that door behind you. You just don't want strangers coming into your house. With that being said, there's an important boundary, I think, and this is just a personal choice and hopefully you'll consider it as important and do the same, but my house doesn't have a public restroom. Again, I don't want perfectly good strangers coming into my house. If someone shows up with a small child and they're like, can we go to the bathroom? It's okay to say no. It's your home. You can do with it what you may. Now, if you are overwhelmed by guilt and it is a small child involved or whatever, you know, tugs at your heartstrings to make you forget your boundaries for a moment, then I would certainly recommend accompanying them into the house, waiting on them, and then escorting them back out. That way, there's minimal time for them to case the house, you know, look over things, quote unquote, get lost, whatever. But if you want to avoid all of that, simply establishing the boundary ahead of time that, look, guys, we're not going to let strangers into our house. Um, It's okay to say no. So no public restrooms. Talking about garages, um, I just assume keep my door down Um, as a tip, which isn't really safety related, but it is because, again, it keeps strangers out of your house is run a, a utility cord, a power cord out from underneath the garage door into the driveway, into the front yard, whatever it is. That way you can power any electrical equipment that you have for sale and demo it in the front yard again without allowing anyone into the house. Now, look, I know garage sale means just that maybe there's a a range storm anticipated. And so you want to set up your sales items in your garage. Okay, well, that still means a couple of things. One is you still want to keep that door between the garage and inside of your house locked at all times. And again, even if you go inside for a moment, lock it behind you so no one can accidentally stumble in and find their way into your house. So keep your door locked and then there needs to be somebody on duty in your garage at all times, because even if you're selling things in your garage, I'm sure not unless you have a perfectly spotless garage, I'm sure other things, not everything in your garage is for sale. So you don't want those strangers, uh, you know, (laughs) rummaging through your tool chest if tools in your tool chest aren't for sale. So be sure to do a good job of separating what is for sale and what isn't if you're going to open up that garage and actually have an in-the-garage garage sale. With that being said, in light of this pandemic uh, that we're in the midst of right now, and if you're concerned about social distancing, which, like myself, I like to keep distance between me and others at all times anyway, 
I might recommend waiting to a better day to do it, sunny day, and just doing it out in the yard and having more of a yard cell. This allows everyone to get more fresh air. It might allow for better social distancing. And most importantly, it's going to allow you to keep your house more fully locked down. When I think about locking down, I also think about cars, vehicles, trucks, whatever you've got. You need to keep those doors locked and you need to keep things out of plain sight. Look, you got a bunch of perfectly good strangers around. Nothing says they're not scoping out things to find weak points, right, that they can uh, take advantage of later. So, you know, this, you know, this notion of keeping things locked down, it goes beyond your booth. It goes beyond your home. Lock those car, car doors and keep things out of plain sight. Shove them in the glove compartment box shove them underneath the front seat, put them in the trunk would probably be the best place. In my opinion, it is the best place. If you've got to keep it in the car, put it in the trunk, lock it away. When I think about keeping things locked down, you know, if I'm a jewelry vendor or something like that, or I have small expensive items or more expensive items, it's probably a good idea that I look to invest into some lockable glass or plexiglass casing. Uh, Of course, I'm going to want to stay near those more expensive items at all times just to keep an extra eye out. But investing in some sort of locking mechanism display, you know, lockable display mechanism is probably going to be best there, too. Additionally, when I think about keeping things locked down, I think about placement of items if I'm having a sell. And of course, you know, a yard sale is different than if you're out of working a booth at an arts and craft where you're selling maybe some higher end jewelry, for example. You know, in those cases, I'm probably sitting right there. So that's in a way keeping things locked down. And of course, we just talked about maybe considering lockable cases for those sorts of items, too. But when I think of keeping things locked down, I think, okay, well, if I've got a yard sale, I don't want to put my most expensive items down along the street side, right along the curb, because that potentially makes it easier for someone to come along and swipe them and run off. I want to keep expensive items further away from the street and closer to me and where I'm hanging out most of the time. And and I'll say part of that, too, is, you know, you don't want to go it alone. If you can avoid it, you want to have help when you're doing a yard sale or when you're working a booth because that gets an extra set of eyes that allows you to more easily take breaks while still keeping an eye on everything and keeping it, you know, keeping things under control and paying attention. You know, that situational awareness that we talked about, but keeping your expensive items away from the open public area and closer where you can keep a better eye on it is important. And last, I want to mention that in the context of keeping things locked down, especially when you're home, you know, there's um, the interview and what I'm talking about specifically with the interview, my air quotes, is when you've got a perfectly good stranger. And this will happen with contractors sometimes when you get those shady folks that your spidey senses are going off about or your intuitions telling you something is off. And it you feel like something's really off because they start asking you seemingly intrusive or personal questions like, um, you know, hey, does there, your security cameras work? Hey, are those lights on the back of the house? Do they actually come on or, or are they triggered by motion? You know, just And they may not be that obvious, but 
when they start asking you questions around a, yourself or your family or your house and the way things are set up, those are red flags. And you don't have to answer those questions. And you don't necessarily have to be rude about your response, but you can also lie as well. This, again, is perfectly good stranger. There's no reason for them to be asking those sorts of questions. So kind of on that notion of keeping things locked down, Pay attention when someone's getting a little too buddy-buddy and asking too many questions, and don't feel obligated to give them a truthful answer, and in fact, shut that interview down if you can. Next, I want to talk about situational awareness, and look, in the personal safety space, situational awareness is something that's talked about all the time, and rightfully so, because if you practice good situational awareness, you're more than likely going to be able to avoid... (laughs) 90 plus percent of anything that could happen to you. Now, that's not to say that you're going to avoid every ambush and things like that. But when it comes to being a small vendor, having good situational awareness is key. And what we typically mean by situational awareness is having kind of an understanding of what's normal, what a baseline is, and then paying attention when we see anomalies to that. So maybe I'm... uh, Maybe I'm working a yard sale or maybe I'm working the arts and crafts fair in the summer and it's 95 degrees out and I've got a younger gentleman hanging in or around my booth that's wearing blue jeans and an oversized button up trench coat. Now, who's to say if what he's doing there that way, maybe he's just really cold nature, but that is an example of an anomaly that you wouldn't expect to see on a 95 plus degree degree day outside, right? Uh, Maybe um, again, I'm at the yard sale and maybe I get a pack of teenagers, what appears to be teenagers again in this pandemic, maybe they've all shown up Uh, with masks on and they're the type of characters that have their pants down behind their knees right that that type Uh, and they've all got bandanas on their head now again we want to be cautious about profiling but it's okay to profile and i'm just going to say that here too we all profile in our heads anyway it's not being about judgmental and just assuming the worst of people but it is recognizing when things are out of the norm no one else in the yard sale is dressed that way and no one else outside that day is wearing a mask just for examples i'm just giving a couple of examples so really paying attention figuring out what appears to be normal for what you're doing and where in your where you're at at that time and then seeing things that stand out to you that's where you want to focus your attention So situational awareness plays a super important role in uh, honestly knowing what's going on around us, but also, but in the context of personal safety, helping us better do a better job and avoiding bad things potentially in the first place. So again, being out in the public, we really want to be on a heightened sense of alert and paying attention to what's going on around us. And that includes if we have small kids, right? If we've got kids or pets with us, we need to be paying attention to them at all times. So it's really not much different. The last thing that I want to talk about in our brief podcast today is handling of money. And look, there's a lot of cash usually passed around at these places, at these venues, whether it's the flea market, the arts and crafts, or the yard sale. Honestly, one yard sale I had a number of years ago, 
I think I wound up making like near $1,000 in a day, uh, only working five or six hours. And we had some big ticket items out there and got very lucky. But, you know, my point is that there can be an exorbitant amount of cash floating around. And so whether you're working a fair, a yard sale, you're a street vendor, you kind of want to come up with a system for handling that cash. Now, look, some people at fairs insist upon having a till that's lockable. That's great if someone constantly is holding that till or over that till, working that till. But having a till means all your cash or a good chunk of your cash, I'm assuming, is in that till. And that's really not advisable because all I need to do is grab that till and run, right? You're making it easier for me. So instead, what I would recommend is keeping your cash on you. And then as you have time, doing a cash drop, much less like a restaurant would do throughout the day. When you start to accumulate some bigger bills or you're starting to get a wad of cash, looking to take an opportunity to, you know, go back to the car and put some into the trunk, uh, go into the house and drop it off um, and come right back out again. Again, being cautious of what's going on around you, making sure you're not being followed and making sure your business partner or your your brother or whoever is there, your friend, whoever's there with you knows that you're taking a quick break to do those cash drops. And, you know, coordinating with your partner on the job is part of it too, just as a sidebar note, right? Communicating with one another, whether you got to go to the bathroom or you need to get rid of some cash, whatever it might be. But when it comes to cash, we need to get a system in place. So what I recommend doing I'm not a big fan of fanny packs, but that's obviously a way, a place of keeping cash that's really convenient. You can put it along the front line of your body yourself and have it right there to work in and out of. But for me, I like to keep small bills in one pocket and bigger bills in the other. So if someone does happen to ask me for the cash on me, I will try to give them the small bills first. Now, that might not work out. But typically, they're going to be in a hurry. I'm going to give them all I got, and that's going to be it, hopefully. May or may not work. Again, nothing's 100%, but we're trying to reduce our negative impacts, right? So I like to keep smaller bills in one pocket and larger bills in the other. And then at some point, I want to do some type of cash drop. Again, whether it's going back to my car, coordinating with my partner on site, letting them know what I'm doing, where I'll be paying attention, making sure I'm not being followed, um, dropping that money off in the trunk as quickly as possible or in the house as quickly as possible and then coming back out. And again, we don't want to leave that out in plain sight. Speaking of plain sight, one of the things that I see out in public a lot of people counting out large amount of cash out in the open, right, for the whole world to see. Try to avoid doing that. You know, count it underneath the table at your booth, worst case, right? turn around and keep it close to yourself. Uh, Step behind the curtain. Um, If you've got to count a lot of cash, excuse yourself and go inside the house or wherever it is. You see what I'm saying? Like avoid doing the big cash count out exposed to the world because that's just showing folks what you got. And you're really making yourself a target anytime you count cash out in public. So don't do it. Um, when it comes to handling cash, you know, you want to be cautious of the, of the scammers. I remember years and years and years ago, I was working a part-time job. It was actually my first 
part-time job and I got scammed. A guy gave me a $10 bill, if I remember right, and I gave him his cash, his change back after his purchase of his drink or whatever. And he tried to tell me he'd given me a $20 bill and got very vocal about it and very angry at me. And, uh, I, I, I fell for it, right? Because there, I was a kid, I was 15 at the time and I was a kid and I, I felt the pressure of, you know, doing right by him. And so I gave him back the incorrect amount of change and I didn't get in trouble for it, but I did tell my supervisor and it was a big mess and it was an important lesson. So, you know, when you're handling cash, you want to be smart in how you handle it and how you're communicating you know, an easy way to help thwart that scam is anytime you receive a denomination of bill, repeat it. When you take it from the individual, repeat it back, say, okay, out of 10 or out of 20, whatever it is. And that way you're vocalizing, you're letting them know you're aware and that you're paying attention. And hopefully those around you will also hear what you're saying. So that's a tip I'd give you there as well. Um, and I know that for most smaller vendors, you're not going to have cash, uh, you're not going to have, uh, cash registers, but if you do one tip that I picked up working in retail and in the restaurant business over the years is, uh, when you get big bills, like let's say fifties and one hundreds, go ahead and put them under the drawer and not in the drawer. Again, if someone comes up that extra step of having to remove the drawer to get that cash out is going to slow them down. So at least by keeping those bigger bills out of the drawer and underneath it, you've made it less likely that they're going to be able to get to those as quickly. And therefore the hope is, is that they don't stick around knowing that, that trick. Uh, but that's something else that you can do if you happen to be using a, a cash register or if you've opted to use a till, you know, the same policy applies there too, right? Keeping those bigger bills underneath the main uh, area if you have a, a drawer inside there, so to speak. Um, but again, if they grab the till, of course, that's not going to do you any good, but it's more about the grab and run than it is taking the whole thing in that case too. Uh, the biggest thing that I'd say about cash and, you know, if you think of things, please feel free to email us or drop a DM in our Instagram posts. Uh, but the biggest thing I'd say about cash is when you're done, when you're done for the day, get that cash to the bank as quickly as possible. And of course, you know, ideally you don't want to go after dark. You don't want to be walking up to ATMs after dark, especially if you're by yourself. So be smart about when you go to the bank, but get that cash to the bank as quickly as possible. You don't want to keep large amounts of cash on your person for long extended periods of time. And you shouldn't have a lot of big cash in your home. Um, especially if someone knows that you've had it. Um, not saying that a yard sale is going to turn into a home invasion. We're not using scare tactics, but home invasions are generally caused when someone that's been following your patterns or is aware of what you're doing and what you've got. Home invasions a lot of time are driven by the, the known fact that there's large amount of cash and or drugs in a home. And so you don't want to make yourself unintentionally a target of home invasion. That's probably the extreme of what could happen. But again, the best thing that you can do after playing with cash 
so much cash in the day is get it to the bank as soon as you possibly can and get it deposited. And then, of course, the last thing I'm going to say is one thing for you to consider if you're not already is, you know, there's a lot of online payment options these days. Uh, I can think of three or four off the top of my head. Yes, they charge fees, but it is an alternative. It's a convenient alternative for people that want to buy things from you. And most importantly, it reduces the amount of cash being passed around. So I would recommend looking into that as an option if you are so inclined. Um, Just the last couple of things I want to mention here um, as far as uh, safety goes and generally, you know, Uh, being a gun person, I have to say this, you know, if you're going to carry a gun on your person and assuming the venue that you're working in allows it, and if they don't have a formal policy, then that means it is allowed. But if you're going to carry, carry concealed, don't carry out in the open. Uh, you don't want to make yourself a target and you don't want to scare off your customers, right? Most importantly, you're there to sell and make money. Seeing a gun exposed might intimidate some people or they may wonder why you need a gun. You just you just don't want to be that person. So if you're going to carry and you have the right to carry concealed, in other words, you're carrying legally, you have a permit. If you're required to have a permit in your area, carry concealed and um, just know that if you think the use of a gun is going to be required, just remember you are in public And there's probably a lot of people around you. So that is points of consideration uh, when you are carrying a firearm in public, certainly, like any other time. Um, And then the last thing that I want to mention, too, is um, stay hydrated. You know, especially if you're out in the heat, like we talked about earlier, the 95 degree degree day in the summer yard cell. Make sure you and the kids stay hydrated, you know, and have some snacks. If you're a vendor, you know, at a arts and crafts fair or the flea market, be sure to take plenty of water and snacks because you're probably not going to be going off to eat a meal during the day. So I recommend uh, keeping water and snacks on hand, certainly. So with that, that concludes our podcast. This one I wanted to keep short and sweet. It's a little longer than I thought it was going to be, but we'll come in here right at the 30-minute mark. I hope you've taken away something from this and just some thoughts around keeping things locked down, having a heightened sense of situational awareness, and some tips and tricks on how to better handle that cash that you are going to have to deal with as you're selling. And uh, thanks for listening.